CBDC. The Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You're listening to the Startup Women Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Startup Women Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and all of the support that you need to make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Kelly Stewart on our show today. Kelly is the Vice President of Marketing at Sampler and one of the company's earliest employees. With almost a decade of experience in brand strategy and communications for consumer packaged goods, Kelly joined Sampler to help build the team's marketing foundation. Since joining Sampler, Kelly has developed and implemented Sampler's B2B2C brand voice through the creation and amplification of digital content. She has played an integral role in helping Sampler win industry awards, as well as secure press coverage from the top publishers like TechCrunch and AdAge. She is also a co-founder of Retail TO, the newest event series within the Tech TO family. Retail TO focuses on bringing together Toronto's retail community to discuss top trends and innovations within the industry. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Me too. Right back at you, Kelly. So what is the most important thing that you want our audience to take away from today's interview? It's a great question. I think once we kind of get into it, um, really just, you know, for any professional looking to kind of um, grow their career, there is not one uh, size fits all path. Everybody's kind of got their own unique path that gets them there. Um, their own special set of skills that really can make them a great business leader um, and to essentially trust the process along your career um, because everything that you do really is helping you uh, build a skill uh, that will help you further on in your career. Mm, I love that. Trust the process. That's a good uh, sticky moment. <laughs> as, as I like to say that we pop it on a sticky note and you can pop it on your computer. So walk us through your entrepreneurial journey pre-sampler and how you landed within the organization just over uh, five years ago. Yeah, so it's funny. It's one of those things that kind of found me um, without me even realizing it. I actually grew up in a household uh, where both my parents were entrepreneurs and business owners. Uh, and so it was something that I didn't even realize that I was picking up on at a very young age. And they were uh, really amazing about including uh, their four children in the family, including us in conversations around the business, you know, 
come home from school and they say, you know, we're thinking of this new idea or this new messaging, um, this new product. What, what do you guys think? You know, do you think this could have wings or legs? Like, uh, what would you say <laughs> in this situation? And it was great. We had brainstorming sessions, you know, that I was involved in by the time I was eight. And so uh, it's cool. kind of funny how it worked out because uh, that ended up, you know, paying off later on in my career and drew me to something that I didn't even know I wanted uh, when I started out. And so um, same thing across the board. When I went to school, I went to a very creative school, OCAD University in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, the entire uh, point of the curriculum there is collaboration and, uh, you know, creativity and thinking outside of the box. Uh, and so, you know, once again, it was one of those things that I just naturally gravitated towards. Uh, and it was a great, great space to really just um, not be afraid to share your ideas. Uh, and it really gave me thick skin. Uh, I always say uh, something to do there, which I, I think is very, very scary uh, in, when you hear about it. But it ended up giving me like the most amazing thick skin was um, I was in the advertising program. And every time, you, you know, you would come in with a, a project, you'd have to pin it up on the wall. And, you know, the whole class would go around and critique it. And so wow. right, right <laughs> away, you know, it teaches you that feedback is a good thing. Uh, which I think is something that a lot of us steer away from in our careers because it's scary. Uh, it's very, it puts you in a very vulnerable place. Uh, but from the beginning, it taught me to separate myself from my work um, and to understand that feedback is about the work. It's not about me as a person, uh, which has paid off in dividends, I would say, uh, especially in the startup community. Uh, after mm. that, I worked at a fashion startup uh, after spending some time in the PR world as well. Uh, on the fashion and beauty side of things. Absolutely loved it, but uh, was just really interested in the, in the tech community. I just, it was growing at that point, it was booming. I had just found out um, about all the amazing different organizations, um, particularly there was one uh, where Sampler was, which was uh, working out of the Ryerson DMZ. Um, mm. And so it was one of those things where I kind of went down this path, very interested to get into the industry and the community, um, met with Marie and the rest is kind of history. Wow, incredible. And I love that you've worked you know, in fashion and beauty and tech um, and with such varying roles across the board. Looking at that experience, are there any lessons that you learned along the way that you think apply to business leaders looking to grow? Like clearly you've said yes to so many opportunities that have been presented to you. Um, are there any things that you had to learn the hard way in navigating that business leadership journey? Yeah, great question. I think when you start out in your career, you have it in your mind um, that, you know, there's this path you're supposed to follow, this one industry you're supposed to stay in without realizing that your skills really can go across so many different industries. Um, and, you know, going back to that trust the process situation, if something presents itself um, and you can see that there's growth potential within there, uh, just for your career and, and personally, take it, you know, the, take the chances. And so I started out, you know, thinking I wanted to be uh, in the ad agency, creative agency side of the universe, uh, found out that, you know, I maybe wanted to go more towards fashion. And then once I was in fashion, I was super fascinated by uh, CPG, by retail, um, and then bridging that gap, you know, in the tech side of things to be at the forefront of that industry. Um, I think, you know, once again, I, I wasn't a marketer, I didn't take marketing in school. Um, and even within Sampler, my first role was as community manager, um, strictly on the you know, social media management side of things, PR, which is what I was comfortable with. Um, and it was basically just as the company grew, we had the need for a marketer. And I thought it was super fascinating. And again, didn't realize that all these different roles across all these different industries 
ended up making me a pretty well-rounded marketer, you know, spending time in PR, spending time running social media accounts and knowing how to speak to end users and consumers and hear their problems and trickle that back up. Um, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about just even copywriting and, and creativity around uh, how to get a brand or a point or theme across to to end consumers. It, all of these little pieces fit together. And then, uh, you know, from there, I kind of just made sure that anything I didn't know, I was willing to learn. Hmm. That's fantastic. And I love that this is a great lesson, I think, for both entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs, that your experience in these journeys can support you if you are trying to build your own business, if you are trying to navigate other new industries and shifting sort of horizontally. Um, that flexibility and that mindset of growth and um, you know, following your intuition a little bit along the way to gravitate towards new prospects that excite you, um, that's something that everybody, even outside the entrepreneurship community, can really resonate with and be motivated by. Yeah, yeah. And- and it was, you know, I, to your question around, you know, things that I learned the hard way, I think mm. uh, I limited myself in the beginning of my career of, you know, again, I was super self-conscious about the fact that I wasn't, you know, uh, a trained marketer, that I didn't know mm. all of the the jargon and the terms and um, MQL, SQL, what did all this stuff mean? I had no <laughs> idea. And I felt really embarrassed about it. And so I wish that I had had the confidence to say, I don't know, you know, but I want to find out mm-hmm. because once I did, then the community, it was so supportive in helping me learn. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. this situation where they made you feel like you were lesser than it was. It's such a supportive community that just the Canadian startup community mm-hmm. and everybody's willing to help. And everywhere you look, there's someone who's willing to, you know, go for a coffee to enlighten you on kind of what they work on and, and, pull back the hood on what it means to be a marketer, both in B2B and B2C. Um, I have the very unique position of balancing both in my role, yeah. um, which keeps things exciting. But yeah, I think uh, something I learned the hard way was definitely, you know, capping my own growth because I was afraid to admit what I didn't know. Um, you know, if if we went, went back in my Google searches, even to this day, I, you know, am very willing to ask the dumbest questions, you know, to figure out the answer. <laughs> yeah. And now I've learned that in a meeting, it's so much more powerful for me to say, um, I actually don't understand this. Can you, can you help me understand this a little bit better? Uh, and mm. again, to this day, I always feel like I'm playing catch up because I came from a very, very different world, uh, but actually has worked in my favor because I have a fresher perspective. Um, I'm not tied mm. to all of these theories and all of these practices um, that, you know, some marketers can fall victim to, I'm coming at it as a, you know, problem solution situation and coming up with more out of the box ideas. Mm, that's, that's fantastic. I, and I think that's such a great lesson that I have personally learned in talking to so many entrepreneurs. They don't know everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. Dragons on Dragon's Den. When Michelle Romanow started out, she did not know what she knows now that we, we sort of, um, you know, develop these narratives that all of these success stories that we see have been so successful since day one, and they've had all these answers. But that's 100% not the case. And to your point about kind of looking under the hood, um, all of those businesses were built through iteration and learning and awkward Google searches to try to understand oh, yeah. where they should go next. Um, and it's it's challenging that uh, we really need to deconstruct the idea of, you know, what, what has built a successful entrepreneur, because we often don't cover those initiatives initial stages and showing how messy it is at the beginning. Uh, But we look at the success story at the end. So how do we really share those stories early on? Yeah, you know, the best entrepreneurs are solutions driven, they don't have all the answers, Mm. but they hire the best people who do have the answers, or they 
find ways to get those answers. And, and being able to admit that you don't know them is, is really the first step. Uh, and I can't believe how much my career changed the second I got comfortable with that. Mm, I love that. That's such a great takeaway out of out of today's conversation. Love it. So let's let's focus in on your experience at Sampler. Um, what has that looked like being a foundational employee of such a high growth company? Um, you know, we've spoken to, about your growth and wearing so many different hats, even when you started at Sampler. Uh, but as you've grown and the company has grown, what has that looked like day to day for you? Yeah, uh, what a crazy ride. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, as I said, I started as a community manager. Um, you're a very, very, very small team. I was part of the original crew. Um, and what I always say to people today is uh, it's funny getting to a point now where we've got about 60 employees um, that, you know, what felt like this school project that we were all working on back then around mm-hmm. one table together, um, which had so many exciting parts to it too. It's been the most beautiful thing to see it grow into you know, this full-fledged business um, with Mm. full-fledged strategy and forecasting and all this kind of stuff. It's not just flying by the seat of your pants. Um, And so I think what's been interesting for me is just growing into my own set of skills, as I was saying before, you know, um, that most of that journey has happened at Sampler because, you know, Marie, who's an incredible leader, has, has given me that chance to grow And that's something I've taken very seriously with my team. You know, I went from, which is a very unique experience, uh, a one-person show handling both the B2B and B2C sides of the business for marketing to now a 10-person team and growing. Um, Mm. And and what does that look like? You know, there are so many different challenges that come along the way. First, it's, you know, being a first-time large team manager and understanding, like, Mm. you know, passing off tasks, building career paths and growth. Uh, for your team, keeping them motivated and excited. Um, something that, uh, you know, I think is difficult as you grow as well is uh, keeping focus, you know, on what the true North Star mm-hmm. metrics are and outcomes for your team, uh, figuring out how your team fits within the business as you continue to grow and continue to make your department relevant. Um, and just in general, you know, the the entire org structure changes as you grow. So understanding how to build the best teams to get the best output for your own specific business and learning that, you know, once again, when I was first starting that path, there was a lot of, you know, silly questions being Googled. Um, and mm. that was a learning that there isn't one path to the best department organization structure, you know, that every mm. team has specific outcomes. Um, and yes, there's overlapping in, you know, um, kind of themes and, and what you're looking to squeeze out of your team. But ultimately, um, you know, what works for one business maybe isn't what works for yours and that's okay. Um, it's, mm. it's okay to create a very unique, you know, org structure for your team. So walk us through some of the really top challenges that you've seen teams facing when scaling that, you know, as one of these foundational employees being there from the very beginning, how have you now as a leader shifting roles uh, really supported this growing team? Plus doing yeah. this remotely during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there those, uh, yeah. So many different answers to those questions, mm. but um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that was, you know, unexpected, but a, a good, a good challenge to have when scaling is, you know, when you're the only marketer on the team, you really only have the capacity uh, to scratch the surface on most mm. of your strategies and most of your activities. And most of the time you're just doing it to see if it works, just kind of throwing everything at the wall, to see what sticks trying to be agile. And really your biggest focus is, you know, cost per acquisition, keeping it as low as possible, trying to be growth hacky. 
Um, and so you don't even really think about building an infrastructure for, you know, a big team um, with, you know, bigger budgets and being and also more specialized people. So uh, that was a big learning come, you know, with hiring specialists is that, you know, let's say you hire an email marketing specialist, uh, you know, if you only dabbled in email marketing and, you know, you've gotten it to work, but there's no real strategy around it, it can be really hard for someone walk into that role who is specifically a specialist uh and so you know first of all hiring great people who know who know how who work well in ambiguity and know how to Mm. take something that has been perhaps a quarter baked or get baked or half baked and Mm. have have the tools uh necessary uh both you know metaphorically and, and physically to take it to the next level um that you never could just because a capacity and b you're not a specialist in that regard. Um, and then, you know, also making sure that they trust you, that you're going to guide them and that you're going to give them that structure. It's a, it's a learning curve. It's uh, especially remotely has been a very uh, unique experience of training people, uh, particularly the more technical roles on my team are very difficult to train people to understand all completely new platforms, um, all that kind of stuff. And you're growing kind of flying by the seat of your pants of trying to make sure um, that everybody has enough structure around their role to succeed and the right uh, KPIs, the right tools and everything. Uh, once again, that, you know, you've tested 10 different marketing channels, uh, but you've never gone that deep b- before and you never realized that, okay, you know what, this actually needs more, a lot more thought behind it for this one channel or for this one person's role for them to succeed. So I'm going to have to spend some time crafting that for them. Um, I think as I've gone along, I've learned putting the time into uh, building as much structure as possible for a role before someone starts Mm. is so much better. And you're never going to get it perfect because the company is changing a mile a minute, but making sure that you actually took the time to sit down and say, what is this person doing in the first three months, in the first six months, in the first nine months, and where should they be in a year? Mm. How is this impacting the business? What are the what are the KPIs? What are the things um, that tie them to this role that you can tell that they're succeeding and they can tell that they're succeeding? Um, even for, you know, the hardest roles to do that for the more creative ones, you know, mm. um, anything around content, anything, uh, you know, PR, creative, anything, it's really difficult to do that. But it's taking the time and the brain power to find a way to make it, you know, a quantitative role and make it um, feel make the person feel like they're there, you know, is a very clear north metric for them to follow, and a very clear path for them in the business. Uh, it's incredibly important for getting the most out of your team and having being able to scale with success. Mm. Um, I find, you know, it's very easy, especially as you're growing very quickly, to kind of say like, okay, I need this role, I need this role, I need this role, I need this role. But doing it too quickly, um, without really validating the need and really fleshing it out as much as you can before the person walks in. Uh, just causes chaos and everybody kind of feels like it's moving too quickly. Uh, <laughs> understanding the structure mm-hmm. of the team and understanding the vision of the team. Um, so that's been time well spent of, you know, sitting, going to the drawing board for every role. It doesn't matter if it's a coordinator, it doesn't matter if it's a director. Um, taking a lot of time to figure out what is the journey of this person and this role look like in the business. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, from the remote side of things, we have implemented something called Sampler University, where uh, every new employee actually goes through uh, kind of a cohorted boot camp for a week of when they start at Sampler uh, of you know learning everything about the business. So they meet with our head of uh, our head of commercial teams and our head of ops and our 
uh, CPO, our CEO, and they really learn absolutely everything. It's probably very, it's definitely very overwhelming. It's a lot of information, <laughs> mm. but it's all recorded. They can always go back and do it. And it's, you know, ear time that they get with every single, you know, senior leader in the business that they wouldn't have. And we've noticed it's really helped them ramp up faster and um, mm. start to be able to contribute to conversations a lot sooner. Uh, and also just, I think from the remote side of things, uh, doing a lot of coffee chats. So we get uh, people, all, all of our new team members uh, are assigned, you know, to do three coffee chats with other people in the company, not just in our department. Um, that really helps, you know, them create bonds with others. We do a welcome lunch, virtual lunch with them. Um, and for me, uh, I do a lot of my training with like video on or screen sharing. So and record that. So it's like, okay, you want to learn how to use this platform, I'll do it. I'll do this task for you, walk you through it, do a voiceover, record it, send it to you with some text context. Um, and that really seems to help. Um, but it has been a unique experience. We, we've, uh, we've been very lucky, I'd say, uh, that the, the people we've hired uh, have really been able to take it and run with it because that could be a challenge. Uh, and serious kudos to them because uh, I can't even imagine how difficult it is ramping up at a brand new company uh, completely remotely, never having, we have so many people now, like 40 people <laughs> that we haven't met in person. Wow. Um, and so, you know, doing everything you can to make them feel supported and seen, uh, and connected, uh, and then, you know, ensuring that you're checking in on them, not just about work, just seeing how they're doing throughout this crazy year that we've had. Holy moly, Kelly, that was a fantastic answer. There are so many incredible nuggets of, of insight that you just provided there. But I think the biggest one that literally gave me chills was just your focus on structure that I think so many early, early stage startups, uh, they have this, this idea in their head that, you know, well, at this business, we wear all the hats or we wear many hats <laughs> and that, you know, we need to find people who can be scrappy and nimble and, um, you know, get coffee orders, but also do presentations to CEOs and, and, you know, be really flexible. But a key success factor to scaling is having that structure in place and understanding who's on first, reducing duplication of effort, really trying to streamline things. Um, and I'm, I'm such a believer that you can be incredibly scrappy, but also very structured. And that will ultimately serve your early stage employees really well um, as they really get comfortable in the space. And then you'll be able to scale out uh, more efficiently. But your comments around structure really resonated with me in particular. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, that was a huge, huge learning for me. Um, you know, some of the people who were my first hires who had far more um, ambiguity around their role and not much structure had a really hard time seeing, you know, where their progression was in the business and where in the company and in their career, the more you can spell that out for them, uh, the more, you know, you're going to be able to retain your entire team for a lot longer because they really understand uh, exactly where they fit in the business and can continue to fit in the business. And I'd love, you know, your focus on KPIs and the focus on focus. How do you actually really align their jobs to the end goal? What does success actually look like, especially for, um, you know, early stage startups um, and that are then scaling out the the sort of goals and the aspirations are shifting on a daily basis. You know, you're, you're setting bigger targets, you're trying to expand. Um, that can be really challenging for employees to understand where they fit into all of that and not get lost in that growth. Uh, so I love that, that you've really put some intentional parameters around that and that you do these regular check-ins to ensure that they see themselves in the future of the business because that'll serve them long-term as fabulous employees. 
Absolutely. Very cool. So let's um, switch gears a little bit to marketing and, you know, your experience um, evolving a communication strategy, bringing in more people, more specific subject matter expertise, um, and having the brand strategy kind of evolve over time. Um, How did you scale this type of work with your growing team and the growing expertise that we were bringing into Sampler? Oh, it's honestly one of the most rewarding things, bringing in mm. people who know so much more than you. Um, totally. I tell my team that every day they are much better at what they do than I am. I'm just here to be an unblocker and make sure mm. that their path to success is is free of obstacles. Um, mm. But brand strategy has been a crazy ride because, um, <laughs> you know, first of all, I have multiple brand strategies and communication strategies, right? I've got B2B, B2C, which is different metrics, different audiences, and even segmented audiences within those audiences. On the B2B side, we have, you know, emerging brands who, uh, you know, very different messages resonate with them versus uh, conglomerate, large-scale corporations. Um, So we, we have, you know, so many things going on at the same time that you somehow have to marry together for an overarching brand uh, that that resonates with all parties and then is split into different messages when needed. Uh, I'd say for us, when I started, no one knew what digital sampling was uh, mm. at all. So my entire job was the educational play. It was just mm. what is digital sampling? What does it mean? Why would you do it? Um, and the sampling space is was extremely archaic. Everybody was you know using the exact same, in-store sampling solutions um, and agencies and companies for over like a century. Uh, it was wow. just, you know, the same strategy, woman handing out perfume uh, in a department store, mm-hmm. somebody handing stuff out at a music festival. And there was a lot of apprehension to really change that. Um, and so again, in the beginning, all it was, was me kind of just, uh, because it was me, myself and I on the marketing team at that point, just <laughs> writing content, writing things, um, getting Marie or myself uh, out there on panels or anything just to explain what it was. And then uh, at that point, even just um, it, we got really lucky that at the time, uh, you know, the CPG industry was changing and they were starting to build out innovation teams within the companies. So uh, we applied to a lot of innovation programs and award applications and everything uh, as, a, as a first place to get our foot in the door with these massive companies. Uh, and then, you know, you get case studies, you, they start to understand, mm-hmm. oh, maybe this does have legs, maybe that does, this does make sense. And so um, the big shift over the last, you know, five and a half, six years I've been here has been, you know, going from that educational play, standing on that box, just screaming to the world what you do to, mm-hmm. you know, how that's paid off. Now people, you know, the market's caught up. Um, that brings its own set of challenges of it gets to be, you know, a more saturated market, more competitors, but we were doing it first. So now Mm -hmm. our communication strategy has really moved more towards, you know, we're the experts in the field. We've been doing this the longest, we do it the best. And so how do we ensure that that comes across in absolutely everything we do, uh, from a communications and branding perspective, you know, how do we make the users and users feel like they can trust us? Like we've been, you know, around the block with this and we're, you know, they can, give us their, you know, answers to around like shopping preferences. And we're going to totally take that and use that, um, you know, in an ethical way and and really protect them because we care about them. Mm -hmm. And then on the brand side, how do you, you know, get them to feel like if they Google digital product sampling, uh, you know, we're not only the first ones that come up, but they start to see us in uh, any articles around uh, consumer insights. How do they Mm -hmm. see know that we're just the most robust solution 
um, that also we always say, you know, we have a very, very, we're a very people centric tech team um, or tech company that really revolves around having amazing sampling experts who go above and beyond and actually, you know, guide them through how to build the best possible sampling program, guide them through, you know, an entire like five year plan for how to take your consume your target consumer to be a brand advocate and what you have to do to get there. Um, so I say, uh, with a scaling team, it, you know, again, from a communications perspective, I only scratched the surface. There was only so much I could do and Marie could do. Now that we have this incredible team who are experts in this, they're taking that and running with it. And, you know, um, going into the SEO side of things, helping us rank better for words, they're, um, understanding in, in, an unbelievably agile way what people are even searching for. So that's been unique uh, mm. over the last year. Uh, the need for digital product sampling has exploded because there was no yeah. to do it. And what was really interesting was finding the other terms that companies use for sampling that we didn't know or digital sampling, like uh, contactless mm. became something that was really trending. Um, and that's something that I don't know that we would have had you know, the resources, if it were just me, myself and I five years ago, or the Intel to be on top of that and looking at that and, and have the capacity to study the market and see that in real time. Um, and just, you know, getting the right tools in place uh, to, to do that on a more agile basis. And so, uh, yeah, from a brand perspective, that's something we always, always do now is, uh, of course, case studies and consumer insights are massive. And, uh, you know, in the B2B space, it's, it, they're huge in getting validation um, and, you know, proof case and everything. Um, and then being that expert, uh, just, you know, kind of the been there, done that. We know how this works. We're years ahead of our competition. Um, and not only do we have, you know, deep knowledge around the sampling space, but we have the, this, you know, database of millions and millions of consumers who really, really trust us uh, mm. to handle data with care. Incredible. Incredible. I feel like this is like a master class in how to scale this sort of brand strategy um, and uh, and the tools required to get to that kind of end state. Incredible, Kelly. So before we wrap up, um, for entrepreneurs that are scratching the surface, as you were, you know, five years ago, looking at marketing, looking at comms, um, what would be the bare basics you would tell any entrepreneur looking to start marketing their business? Oof, great question. Uh, either become... Practice being a good content writer or find someone who is. Um, it's often something that's overlooked, but it's so important, even from uh, you know, a thought leadership perspective of the actual uh, you know, CEO or or that entrepreneur themselves, getting, you know, their voice out there is is huge um, and pays dividends in the end. Uh, we we weren't even thinking about SEO five years ago and now it's one of the main lead generators for us because it was just me sitting and writing articles uh, yeah. about our thing. So <laughs> that's a biggie. Um, and then trying to, you know, figure out what your North Star metrics are. Uh, even if you just have to throw some mud at the wall at first, uh, the way we did it was we just accepted that we didn't know what we didn't know. Uh, started with literally a massive spreadsheet of question marks around things that we thought we should know that we didn't have uh, <laughs> I love that. Perspective. Mm -hmm. And we just, we just chipped away at it. We just, you know, if it was like, okay, we need to figure out what our average uh, cost per lead is from an ad. All right, let's just start running some. Let's run five different experiments, see what we net out at as the average. And that can be, you know, our, our go-to benchmark three quarters from now 
for what our CPL should be. Um, you know, let's start understanding how many, you know, marketing qualified leads we can get from this channel versus this one. Do they convert very well or not really, you know? And so just accepting, because I think, um, something I always say to my team is, you know, uh, I went through this situation in, in uh, college where I was just super broke as most college students are. And I was just so afraid to look at my bank account because it would make it a reality, mm. but that made it worse because the longer I went without looking at it, you know, the worse I was at kind of managing my cash. And so I say the same thing about, you know, the metrics and the leads and where we're, how we're doing in every single month or quarter, um, you know, you're better off being extremely familiar with it, facing the music sooner rather than later, because that's when you can actually start to improve it and you get more comfortable with it. And so it's, it's not as scary if you're only 20% to goal or, you know, it's, it's less scary if you admit that you don't know that the 46 metrics you think you should, at least then you know where you stand and it gives you a roadmap of what to do next. Uh, and just, it truly makes the whole ambiguity, especially at the beginning of, uh, you know, an entrepreneur or a marketer's journey, it makes it way less scary and way more digestible. Totally. It's like you're working in a sandbox instead of working on the beach where it's just endless sand forever for miles and miles. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, amazing. Any final words of advice, Kelly? You provide such great insights. I can't tell you how excited I am at, at sort of the, the outputs of this conversation, if you will. Um, but any final pieces of advice, especially for, for women entrepreneurs as they're navigating either comms, marketing, tech, um, or their, their professional journeys as intrapreneurs, um, any final takeaways you'd like to send their way? Great question. I think, uh, you know, continue to try to become a generalist. Learn as much as you can, even if you aren't the best at it. Try to understand your specific specialty, whether it's comms or whether it's marketing or, you know, what have you, whatever sector it is. I think, you know, learning even just a little bit about everything has made it significantly easier for me to have a big team that I can engage in really meaningful conversations with every single function and, you know, get somewhere with it rather than, you know, kind of just keeping myself in one little box of what I know and not bothering to learn what I don't think I need to. Um, I'd also say, you know, going back to trusting the process and really um, building up your own personal brand. I think that's so important and something that is often overlooked. As I said, mm -hmm. start writing as soon as you can. LinkedIn Pulse is an incredible tool that gets mm -hmm. eyeballs on anything. The more you can build up a personal brand, um, you're going to set yourself up for success later on. Uh, and yeah, just follow your path. Every, as I said, everybody has uh, a very unique set of skills. I mean, who would have thought that a girl who went to art school, uh, and then went into PR and fashion would end up, you know, running a B2B to C tech marketing team. Um, but it worked, you know, in a, in a weird way it worked. And so, you know, don't underestimate the skills you've collected because when they add up together, it's a really unique recipe uh, that nobody else has. And, and figure out how to market those. Yeah. Figuring out how to, yeah, figuring out how to talk about them. That's where it ties back to kind of the thought leader and building your own brand. Settle on what it is that makes you unique and special. Don't try to fit into the mold of what you think a marketing leader should be or mm -hmm. a comms leader should be. Uh, find that edge. Think of it exactly. You are your own brand. The way you would find like the value prop for a brand. Do the same thing for yourself and just start building content in your personal brand out there. 
Fantastic. There you go. That's your call to action, everyone. We've got some great, great takeaways. Thank you so much, Kelly, for spending time with us on the Startup Women podcast. Um, I know I've learned a lot from today's chat, um, and it's been so inspiring to watch the journey of Sampler. We can't wait to keep following uh, your growth trajectory and seeing where the business goes next. Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, VDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook, Resources for Women Entrepreneurs, with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast, hosted by Rick Spence, and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the economic potential of women.